You're listening to Following the Way, a podcast devoted to the examination of Scripture and Christ-centered practices to help us live in devotion to the way of Jesus. Hello and welcome. It's good to be together again. The sun is shining here and wherever you are, I hope that you're enjoying the beginning of a lot nicer weather um, for many of us. I know that uh, for us, it's really good news here in the province of Manitoba as they have upped the limit of gatherings, in-person gatherings. And so we are preparing right now to be together uh, in a smaller number, but we are going to be together, um, some of us, for church this Sunday. And that's just such an encouraging sign. But, you know, during this time of this pandemic and, and as we walk through this process, and again, there's still, uh, amidst the good signs and, and the things that we're experiencing, there's still so much unknown. And I'm, I'm learning how to rest in Jesus during that time. But I'm also learning to continually ask the Lord, what do you want to do in me during this time? And so I'm approaching my devotional life like that, uh, maybe just in a, in a much more focused, intentional manner because of what we're going through. And so I'm asking the Lord, would you speak to me through this, through your word, through the text about what you want to do in me and what you want to do in us during this time? And so that's the context that I want to come uh, with to John 8 this morning, the text that we're going to be in. I want to read you the beginning of John 8. It says, Then they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. This is quite, again, quite the encounter that Jesus has with this woman and with the religious leaders. They're bringing this woman who's been caught in this heinous act to Jesus, and they expect Jesus to fit into their ways. They wanted to accuse him of of certain things and that's that's the reason why they were actually bringing her to him and this can be you know there can be an accepted way of doing things whatever our church culture is whatever our background is there's an acceptable way that we expect things to go and and how they should play out and there's traditions and long-held assertions in our churches and lives that maybe we even expect Jesus to, to fit inside of and to adhere to. This is how we do things. And that's certainly 
how the religious leaders of the day came to Jesus with this woman is th- this is how we do things. And, and Jesus, if you're going to abide by the law and if you're going to be accepted by the people, well, then you better fit into our way of doing things. And Jesus would have no part of it. And it says that Jesus wrote something on the ground that shocked them, something that wasn't expected, something that obviously offended their expectations of Jesus. And there's many theories about what Jesus wrote, and, and for sake of time, I'm not going to get into it, because, and really it's not that important. Whatever it was, whatever Jesus wrote, and we simply don't know, it led to the exit of the people. Now, Jesus wasn't ignoring the sin or the reality of this woman's need for change. Jesus actually addressed the sin and her need for change right at the end as he, as he um, dismissed her. He said, go and sin no more. And so what we see is that it's not condemnation though that she needed. She didn't need Jesus to heap on more condemnation on her. There had been way too much and enough of that already. But rather she needed transformation. And and this can be troubling for religious people. This can be troubling for us who have certain ideas and about way thing, the way things should go. So, well, what about this? Scripture says this and this and this. This is how it should play out. This is what we expect. This is how we've always done things. In fact, some ancient Christians such as Augustine and Ambrose, they omitted this story from the Gospels, not so much because of the textual evidence but because they thought that it actually made Jesus to approve, to appear that he was approving of sexual immorality, or at least that he wasn't regarding it as serious as he should. And it seems actually that the question of this text being in the original manuscripts, as it's noted in our Bibles there, from uh, Mark 7, verse 53 to Mark 8, 11, the, the question of whether or not this should be in the Bibles it has more to do with early theologians not knowing the exact place of this text, but feeling and believing that it belonged in the Gospels, which is why it is in our Bibles, is because, and there's that notation, but we just maybe didn't know exactly where it fit. But I want to I want to consider how this happened. Let's consider a little bit of what was going on here. This woman was brought to Jesus in a very public place. It was meant to embarrass her, and it was actually meant to embarrass Jesus. There was sinful motive in what was happening here on the part of those who were supposed to lead people to God, the Pharisees. They were actually, what they were doing and what they were engaging in was sinful practice. Because the question that needs to be asked is, where was the man that was involved in this adultery? It wasn't one person. There was an attempt actually to bring accusation against Jesus, it says there in the text. The leaders actually disregarded their own sin. According to the Old Testament law of how they were supposed to handle adultery, they disregarded that in the process. So I want to draw something out of this a lot deeper than maybe just what we read of here in the account of what's happening. Because Jesus and the, and the Lord is getting at something for us. Because Satan attempts to bring accusation against us. Satan loves to come to you and to bring up your sin, to drag up your shortcomings, stuff in your past that you haven't gotten free of, stuff that that weighs you down, stuff that you don't want to think about, stuff that you don't want anyone else to know about, the stuff that 
is just there and and it makes you feel like oh i i don't i don't want to go there i don't even want to think about that satan loves to bring up that stuff again and again and again bringing condemnation and shame in our lives and sin is in our lives is a very powerful tool and ongoing sin is a powerful tool to keep us from living in the goodness of God. It robs us of joy, of peace, of hope, of blessing. And so in one sense, we are all this woman. Every single one of us, we are dealing with sin that Satan is using as accusation against us. And any sin that we have in our lives, undealt with stuff, Satan is going to use that to bring up accusation and shame and embarrassment into our lives. And the only hope, the only hope, there is no other hope, is the acceptance that Jesus can offer us. Getting free of the sin that will condemn us. The, the sin that will leave us in shame, the sin that will render us ineffective is essential. Getting rid of it is essential to live in the fullness of joy that is life in Christ. And so ongoing cleansing and healing, confession and repentance as it pertains to sin is so crucial for life in Christ and the fullness of life in him. And so after this this account that we have here of Jesus and this woman, what follows in John 8 is this contentious conversation with the Pharisees where Jesus throughout this conversation, this back and forth, and you can go and read it from verse 12 onwards, Jesus reveals the deep need for us to deal with sin in our lives. In fact, he says in verse 12 that whoever follows him will have the light of life and that apart from him, we walk in darkness. See, Jesus, he makes some, some claims here and some statements that are actually, they're, they're, they're quite offensive actually, because what they do is they, they reveal there's certain things, there's certain things that we must do. There's certain non-negotiables when it comes to life in Christ that we actually can't ignore. We need to deal with stuff. And if we don't, Jesus says, you walk in darkness. And if we, he says in verse 24, if we do not believe, and again, we unpacked that earlier in John 3, where believing is about following and surrender and living in, by the Spirit, life in the Spirit. If we do not believe, if we do not follow and surrender our lives to Christ, he says, you will die in your sin. Sin will will kill you. Sin will actually ruin your life and for eternity. And and then in verse thirty one, it's it's again uh, as Jesus has more of this conversation with the religious leaders. He says, "If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." It is his truth that sets us free. Jesus sets us free. Jesus sets you free. His word is rooted inside of us. That's what sets us free is coming into knowing his word, being in him, seeing the freedom in Christ, walking in that, living in that. That is where freedom is found. And so I want to close. I want to bring this for application to us this morning by asking us some questions for us to put before the Lord and and to be honest and transparent with ourselves. And the first question is, where is there sin residing in my life that I need to confess? The second question is, 
Who can I be accountable to when it comes to sin? Who will call me into the light and push me to live by the word? This is part of what it means to be discipled and to be an apprentice of Jesus. It means to be walking in vulnerability, accountability, and transparency in our lives, to be accountable. Third question is, where do I need to receive the grace of Jesus, which also calls me into the light? It's not cheap grace. It's costly grace. It's the grace that led Jesus to the cross. It calls us into the light and to live in the light. Where do I need to receive that grace where Satan has been bringing accusation and condemnation against me. So where have I been feeling like I'm under accusation and condemnation? And where do I need to receive the grace of Jesus and be called into the light? I want to leave you with those questions to put before the Lord, to journal, to ask yourself, to be honest about that. And then, again, then the responsibility in us is, Where do I need to make changes and where do I need to pursue growth and transformation in my life in following Jesus? And so I want to, I want to just pray for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your truth that invites me into relationship and into a life led by your spirit and rooted in the word. I am so grateful, Jesus, for your truth and for your truth that brings transformation and growth in me. May you be blessed again today as you go forth and follow the way of Jesus. Blessings, my friends.